Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. They did not choose the fear of the Lord, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 129, notice there are those among us who hate knowledge and believe that ignorance is bliss, and they do not choose the fear of the Lord. I want you to become familiar with that verse there, Proverbs 129, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And in this discourse of the first chapter of this amazing book of Proverbs, this book of wisdom, the Lord is pointing out how the rebellious backslide and are ultimately damned. Verse 30, they would none of my counsel. They didn't want any of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Notice what we have here is people who are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. I'm I'm not talking about people outside of the realm of professing Christianity, but those who are within and even the leaders. They hate knowledge that interrupts their traditions and the heresies that they're peddling. They do not want to die the death. They don't want to truly repent, which would always lead to a life of death and burial burial and resurrection, the crucified life, which is essential to walking with, abiding in Jesus. It is the command of God in the original gospel, which has been removed by the seminarians and have replaced it with a whole system of lies that is bent around the golden calf heresy of eternal security. And who buys into this kind of stuff? Those who hate knowledge. They don't want the full knowledge of God's word. They don't want anything that's says they have to give up their life in this world. But Jesus said, if you don't give up your life, you don't lose it in this world, you're going to lose your soul eternally. Luke 14, 33, Luke 17, 33, etc. And that's why they have allowed and brought on the changing of God's word, the neutering of the word of God, because it's a smooth thing, if you will. And this has been going on for thousands of years. Notice in Isaiah's day, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 30, Isaiah 30 verse 9 and 10, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law or the word of the Lord. Isaiah 30 verse 9 and 10, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers or the leaders among God's people, see not unto the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy Deceit. Notice, tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, like the popular song says. 
give us lies, tickle our ears. We don't want true repentance. And false teachers, that's the vast majority of those who have positions of leadership in modern Christendom, and it keeps getting worse, as was foretold in Second Timothy, which prophetically warned us that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's going to get worse, continues to get worse as the coming of the Lord draws nigh. We see this same phenomenon in the New Testament where people want their ears tickled. You know, you scratch our back and we'll scratch yours. The pastors say to the people and the people say to the pastor. Notice Timothy is told by the Apostle Paul and we are told, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables or stories. Tell us stories. Tell us smooth things, as we just read in Isaiah 30, verse 9 and 10. They are going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. So Proverbs 129, these people hate knowledge and they do not choose the fear of the Lord. Now, where is this coming from in our day? Well, it's coming from the seminarians. I talk to seminarians, as God would have it, on a regular basis in person. Yesterday, I had a sit-down talk with a, a guy in his 20s that's a uh, seminarian, three hours straight at least. And one of the things he said when confronted with the many warnings of the New Testament scriptures and fearing God and obeying God, and that this antinomian, this lawless heresy of once saved, always saved, started in the garden, he kept interrupting me. He could have, he was probably pretty sincere, but sincerely self deceived by his phony professors, doctors of damnation, you could call them. And he gave me this trite answer, as so many of them do, about being loving God and therefore overcoming all sin and living for the Lord just because he just loves him so much. Well, now we all know that that is a a noble platitude, but yet I get the feeling that it's trite and it's false humility, and it's a lack of knowledge. And these young guys are being taught this, and most of them never come out of it, because after all, it's taught in the seminary, right? So it has to be the truth, right? Wrong. That which claims to be representing Christ is always, it always has been, historically, from the Garden of Eden on, been the place targeted by Satan. Satan had the whole earth to himself. He could have done anything anywhere. He had already been cast out of heaven, him and a third of the angels. But where did he show up. He showed up in the Garden of Eden, in the sanctuary of God, where there was no sin at the time. And he did so in order to mislead the man and the woman. And it worked. He told them they would not surely die if they sinned against God. That's that antinomian lie, the very inception of it from the father of lies, which is being told by the false teachers today that people are once saved, always saved. They are eternally secure. That is what Satan told the first man and woman, which led to their fall. They they died spiritually. They were kicked out of God's presence, and they had to be restored. There was no sin leading up to that point. And that is exactly what caused sin, is the once saved, always saved eternal security, heresy. Notice in Psalm 73, we get a glimpse into the target of Satan. Thine enemies roar, verse 4, Psalm 74. Thine enemies, he's talking to Israel, roar, where do they roar? In the midst of thy congregations. 
they set up their ensigns for signs. A man famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the trees. Verse 7. They have cast, the enemies of God, fire, where? Into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of the name of the Lord. See, they defy God, they're antichrist, which teach contrary to the scriptures. That's the summation of what an antichrist, somebody put that puts something in place of Jesus and his word, is an antichrist. And Paul says to the Ephesians, this is just a thumbnail sketch proving and demonstrating that scripture teaches that the enemy targets that which is called the place of the worship of God. And he does it through false leaders. Here in the New Testament, we see Paul warning the Ephesians, and he says in verse 29, chapter 20, Acts 20, 29, for I know this, that after my departing, see, Paul guarded the body from grievous wolves that he's going to cite. He foresaw that grievous wolves are going to enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Wolves devour the sheep. That's what Jesus taught when he said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening or devouring wolves. And how do they do that? Well, they do it by teaching falsehoods that lead people to a lack of the holy fear of God and to, to say things like we're talking about here. Oh, well, I just love God so much. I don't have to fear him. Okay, so a good parent will cause his children, his or her children, to eat a full balanced diet. That's what true under-shepherds of the Lord do. The false ones don't. In fact, they help them to eliminate these essentials like fearing God, the cross, the holiness of God, all of these elements of the original gospel, Christology, obedience, etc. And did I mention repentance? Those are all gospel essentials. The new book is now available called The Original Gospel, Restoring the Cardinal Doctrines of the Christian Faith. You can look it up on Amazon or on safeguardyoursoul.com called The Original Gospel. Okay, so the enemy's targeting, he says that they're going to enter in among you, notice, Verse 30, also of your own selves, of your own selves. I mean, these guys are seminarians. These guys came out of such and such a church. They have to be true, right? Wrong. Their credentials mean nothing in this world. What are they preaching? You've got a Bible? Be like the Bereans, Acts 17, 10, and 11. The Bereans took Paul to task. They searched the scriptures daily and compared what Paul was teaching to the final divine authority of the scriptures. Okay, if I'm teaching something, you better be checking it out with the word. Any man. Paul didn't get upset, by the way, because they were testing what he taught against the scriptures. That makes men of God, true men of God, happy. Others, it gets them nervous and they get upset, which clearly reveals that they have their own agenda. They're not serving the Lord. They're serving their own belly. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians 3:18 and 19. They have this, don't you dare question me mentality. Well, God's word is the final authority, not them. And they don't preside over the interpretation of it either. It's self-interpretive. And if they're afraid to hear scriptures that contradict scriptures. Listen, the Bible that contradicts what they're teaching, you just identified a devil right there, a wolf in the midst that we were often warned about. So of their own selves, Acts 20 verse 30, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, he tells the Ephesian elders to watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every man night and day with tears. Then he commends them to the word of God so that they could be built up and protected. 
verse 32. Notice in verse 20, and this is a 2020 vision that we need, saints. We need to acknowledge all Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, we need to meditate on that. Since all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and the man of God is thoroughly furnished, every believer, through the whole of Scripture, there is no excuse for trying to eliminate any part of what the Lord teaches, including the truth of fearing the Lord. That's in the Old and New Testament. We must fear the Lord. The scripture says in Proverbs 14, verse 27, 26, 27, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So when somebody says, well, I just love God. I don't fear God. I don't have to fear him. I just love him. That's a self-deceived person. Love is not all you need. And if it was, why did God tell us and command us to fear him, which we're going to look at in the New Testament in just a minute. It's all over scripture. I encourage you to find scriptures on fearing God, obviously and only from the King James Bible, not these little fairy tale counterfeit so-called Bibles. Every book on the planet that has the words Holy Bible on them is not the Holy Word of God. You've got to be completely gullible if you believe that. And yet you got seminarians, most of which will argue with you over that when the facts are all stacked against them. Okay, so Acts 20.20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. In other words, he disclosed the whole counsel of God's word, and that would include loving God and fearing God and obeying God, denying yourself, taking up the cross, and walking holy as he is holy. Now, those four doctrines, four or five that I just mentioned, are rarely ever mentioned in the modern church, and that's the premise for the book, The Original Gospel, which we need restored to our own lives and to the body of Christ. And some of you are patronizing these church businesses. You like the feeling and the entertainment and the friendships you get, but perhaps God is going to convict you at some point to leave and to stop condoning and putting your approval on something that's not the original gospel or any semblance of it. All of these major doctrines are missing from it. They're doing more to coddle people in their sins instead of lifting up their voice like a trumpet and calling them to repent, Isaiah 58, verse 1, and be ready for the return of Christ, who's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, one that is holy and without blemish. Do we get it? Do we hear it? Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. If you've got the blemish of sin, you're not going to go with him. And if you die in sin, you're going to hell. Wake up. Oh, brother, but I am saved. Really? Saved from what? If you're not saved from sin, in other words, you're habitually committing it and it has dominion over you, you're not saved for heaven. You have no clue of New Testament doctrine if you think that you're going to die and go to heaven living in sin. You've been deceived by the first lie ever told to mankind. You bought it because you love to be lied to. You love your darkness rather than light. And God's calling you to repent and to prove it by bringing forth fruit, meat for, or consistent with truth true repentance, and that would be a holy life that is looking for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Acts 20.20, this is the 20.20 vision we need, saints, to keep back nothing that is profitable from our own lives by studying all of Scripture and being honest with all of it. Then he says, but he showed the Ephesians and taught them publicly and from house to house. That's the vision we need, and that would include the holy fear of God. And this idea that somehow we just love God so much that we're just going to 
not sin because we love them. Really, that that would mean you've never sinned, I would suppose, right? Since you've been saved, which would be a joke to even put forth, obviously. you got to be kidding me. You're going to say you never sinned since you got saved? You, of course you've sinned since you got saved. And why is that? It could be because you're missing the fear of the Lord. And the cross message, the crucified life, Romans 6, without which no man can overcome sin. Which you're commanded to do. You're commanded to fear God. Christians are commanded to fear God and to let God, to let the Lord be your fear and let him be your dread. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13 says, let the Lord be your fear. Let him be your dread. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Okay, now there's some people running for the hills right now. What is a coward? Somebody that cowers from truth. You are commanded to fear and tremble before a holy God. Psalm 2 verse 11 tells us, serve the Lord with fear. What? You heard it. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, capital S-O-N, Jesus Christ, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. But the OSAS adherents are insulated from feeling and sensing the fear of God because they're so secure, so they think, not realizing that those who have gone before them, having believed this lie, are in hell. Notice what Jesus said, Luke 12, verse 4 and 5. Notice what Jesus said. You're going to argue with this? See, notice they'll, they'll only listen to certain doctrines or scriptures that Jesus taught and then migrate to certain ones that they find it easier to take out of context. But some of these can't be taken out of context. I mean, it's just too clear, too self-evident, too straightforward. But they're not going to teach on this. They're not going to make these important. They're not going to read them before the people. And when they do stumble over them and read over them, they're always trying to cover for the people, keep them in their lukewarm state, incubated for hell. You know, they're going to tell you that the Bible didn't really mean what it said because it couldn't mean that because they're eternally secure and they could only lose their rewards in heaven and not their soul. Total and complete deception. Jesus says this, and let's ask ourselves, how could Jesus be saying these words and not really mean what he said? Luke 12, 4 and 5, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that killed the body and after that have no more that they can do, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear, that's a command, fear him, here it is, which after After he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. That doesn't need much explanation. It doesn't need any explanation. We are to fear the one, God Almighty. You, yeah, oh yeah. Notice who he's talking to here. Oh boy. Yeah, you just can't get away from the the scriptures that expose this eternal security. You you can't get away from them. It's everywhere. Who's he talking to? Verse 4, and I say unto you, My, Jesus is talking to his friends. So get over yourself, repent, and be honest with the word of God. Notice what Paul says in Romans 11, 
20 through 22. We're just touching, scratching the surface on this fearing God truth. Verse 20, Romans 11, 20. Well, because of unbelief, they, the Jews, were broken off. They were severed. God divorced them. Didn't sound like once saved, always saved to me, did it? Does it sound like that to you? Ten virgins, kingdom of heaven like another ten virgins. Only five made it into the bridal chamber with the, the Son of God for an eternal wedding in the New Jerusalem. Doesn't sound like once saved, always saved to me. Does it to you? Five were shut out. Romans eleven twenty. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. It's important and essential to believe to the end. You can stop believing, Jesus said, and fall away thereby. Luke eight thirteen. Jesus invented the term fall away. That means it's possible. Anybody who says you can't fall away is a liar, and is called the Son of God a liar. And they are liars, demonic antichrist frauds. Run for your life. So he says, you stand by faith. The Jews were broken off. This is specifically written to the Gentile Christians. Be not high-minded, but fear. And here's why. For if God, well, first of all, we fear God because of who he is. And also, as we read in Luke 12, 4 and 5, we fear him because he's able to cast our body into hell and our soul. And that's final. It's irrevocable. For if God spared not the natural branches, that's the Jews, take heed lest he spare not thee. That is a divine warning and threat. Get over yourself. I can hear the rebels now crying out for a safe space. Yeah, you're going to hell. That'll be safe, all right? You'll be safely secure and tormented there consciously forever and ever because you refused to cut off the hand, pluck out the eye, and obey God. You hearkened under your own sinful, unrepentant, darkened heart and the false teachers who fostered these lies in you and incubated you and promulgated these lies on you that you allowed because you did not choose the fear of the Lord and you did not have the knowledge of God because you didn't want it. Proverbs one twenty nine. You didn't want it. You wanted to live for yourself. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption, eternal corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. For he that soweth to his flesh, verse 8 says, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, living in obedience to the Lord according to his counsel, and all of it shall reap life everlasting. He just told you he's going to heaven right there. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. We're going to reap what we sow eternally. You want to reap life everlasting? Sow to the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit. Be obedient to God. It begins in repentance right now today, my friend. Perhaps some of you, the Lord will quicken you. And if he doesn't, just obey his word anyway to go on a fast and prayer. Oh, yeah, it'll be God. I'll tell you that right now. God isn't going to tell you not to do something he told you to do in his word. That would mean he's contradicting it. So just do it. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James 1, 22. Back to our text, Romans eleven twenty two. Behold, therefore, what? The Apostle Paul, this is the authority of God. He was sanctioned to pen Holy Scripture so that all New Testament believers of the whole New Testament era would have this and have all the content of the New Testament, not just some of it. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Not only the goodness, but the severity of God. If you don't have both, you're imbalanced. Holiness by way of the fear of the Lord. 
is essential to remaining in, to continuing in, to enduring to the end, to abiding in Christ. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. The Bible's telling us right there in Proverbs 14, 26 and 27, that it's the fear of the Lord that moves you in repentance to stay before the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. All of Scripture teaches that we are to love God, to fear God, to obey God, and to overcome all sin. If we're going to be ready at the return of Christ or if we die before, we're to sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be our fear and let him be our dread. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13. So never mind this picking and choosing as if God is, you know, you get to choose and pick what you're going to take of God's word and what you're going to reject. That right there alone completely identifies a rebel. That's a rebel right there. A rebel and a counterfeit, a devil. And that's what you got in ministry today. How many people you know in ministry are literally teaching the fear of the Lord? When's the last time you heard something like that? When is the last time you heard this passage that they so conveniently intentionally dodge where we're to behold the goodness and the severity of God. You want to see how severe God is? He opened up the ground in number 16, it's on record, and swallowed up, I believe it was 2,500 of his own people who went straight to hell. Fear him, which after he has killed you, is able to cast your soul and body into hell. On them which fell, Paul continues, severity. Oh, but you can't fall away, huh? Well, he just said those that fell, this is written for us. You can't say, oh, that's the Old Testament. He's using an Old Testament example, which he tells us twice in the New Testament, at least, that we are to learn from the Old Testament scriptures and the example of Israel. He uses that throughout the New Testament. And he's doing it right now, pointing you to understand and to remember how God judged his own people with severe judgment, severity, when they sinned against him, but toward thee, goodness, if, 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 and only if, thou continue, there's the enduring to the end in his goodness, taught throughout scripture, initial and present and final salvation, you're not in heaven yet. Therefore, you're not eternally secure, and you won't be until you're in heaven. For now, Jesus commands you to endure to the end, to abide in him, but you're going to be cast into the fire. John 15:6. you must overcome sin and Satan and this world. And you're going to do that through obeying Christ, by denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. You're going to do it his way, or you're not following him, and therefore you're not going to be with him eternally. You're a lawless, antinomian rebel. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. I'm sorry. Go read this for yourself. I may be just making this all up if you're not looking at the scripture yourself. So you better read it for yourself. And notice the last two words in this verse, Romans eleven twenty two. cut off. Oh, but you can't lose your salvation. Jesus is a liar if you can't lose your salvation because he said you can fall away after believing. Luke eight thirteen. you're a lying devil if you say you can't fall away. If you say you can't be cut off, you are a filthy antichrist liar. Because Paul, Jesus' apostle, who had divine authority, you don't, said you could be cut off. And he's warning New Testament Christians about being cut off specifically if they don't continue what the Lord 
to the end of their lives, whether that be when Jesus returns or they die a natural death. So he's saying here in Romans 11:20 20 through 22, I want you to become very familiar with this passage, that we're not to be high-minded. We're to fear God. It's an absolute divine command. I neglected one thing in that Luke 12 passage that we read earlier, which reveals that it's even more certain. It, more, it further reveals that Jesus is warning his own people, not the lost. I'm saying that, and any sane person knows that, but these OA, you got to be ready for these snakes that are going to try to say, oh, well, that's uh, anything they don't like. Oh, that's for the Jews. That's for the sinners. Whose intelligence are you trying to insult? What could be clear? Notice Jesus says in verse 1 of Luke 12, he began to say unto his disciples, excuse me, who's he talking to? His disciples, first of all. Most importantly, he's telling them. Then he says, verse 4, I say unto you, my friends. Now, is Jesus talking to the lost? He's talking to all who are his followers or who will be his followers and his friends. If you claim to be following Christ, to be the friend of Christ, to be saved, this directly, specifically applies to you. That you are being forewarned that you will fear God, that after he has killed you, has power to cast you into hell. Fear him. Jesus here forewarned his very own disciples and friends that it was possible for them to be killed by the Heavenly Father or allowed to die. He has the power of life and death and cast into hell if they feared men more than God. That's specifically the context. It doesn't get any clearer than that. We have to fear God. It's not enough to say, well, I just love God. I don't want to have anything to do with the fear. That's what they do when you start giving them scripture they've never really considered and have never been taught because the deceivers that are misleading them won't ever address this kind of stuff in the full counsel. They don't have any desire to do the full counsel of God because they have their own agenda. Paul says, if I yet feared men, I should not be the servant of Christ, Galatians 1.10. And that's specifically associated with those who are teaching another gospel, another Jesus, by another spirit, and they're accursed, Galatians 1.6-10. Amen. Now, the book of Joshua 24.14, see Joshua 24. 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, notice in the minds of so many today who claim to be Christians and claim to be pastors, they've created a false god in their own sinful image, one that acquiesces to them, basically, that he, you know, caters to their every sinful, depraved whim. They mold him out of their own wicked hands. They wreck this image of a false god. And they do that in it while they're intentionally ignoring what God said in his word. See, they did not choose the fear of the Lord, and they didn't have the knowledge of God because they rejected it. They don't want to know these things. And that's why they have defenses and deflections that they've set up when you're discussing and giving them scriptures that they just don't want to acknowledge because they've, they've heaped to themselves teachers because they have itching ears or unrepentant hearts. And they've turned away from the Lord to fables and yet claim to still be serving God while they're doing it on their own terms and not the Lord's terms. And at that, I'm going to say, let's close it down. But saints, study this out, if you will, if you want to learn more about the fear of the Lord. It's a great study to look up fear, 
fearing God, fearing the Lord, and write all those scriptures down on index cards with the references and memorize them and get them in your spirit. We do have a page, a post on safeguardyoursoul.com called Are Christians to Fear God? You can type that into the search box. Just put Fear God or Are Christians to Fear God. Any of that will pull it up. And there are many scriptures in there to help you to grow in the grace of God. And may you be charged today to fear the Lord. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes 12.13. Safeguardyoursoul.com Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting, and feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.